Hey, you're listening to the Time and Talks podcast. I'm your host, Dejal V. Patel, and this is the place where we have refreshingly real talks about the biggest problems moms face in motherhood and life and the spiritual solutions to solve them. If you're ready to reset your mindset with some major truth bombs, well then, let's dive in. Well, hello there, beautiful mamas. Welcome to the Time and Talks podcast. Today, we're talking all about music, movement, and mindfulness for kids, things that I love. So many of you guys already know that I've taught children's yoga and mindfulness at preschools and elementary schools through my yoga birdies and my mindful beginnings program for the past eight years. This is where my magic happened, and many of the exercises from the Meditation for Kids book were birthed through that experience of teaching children in the classroom setting. So one of the things that I quickly discovered is that children's first language of learning is through play and movement and stories and music. And that's why you see a combination of all of that inside my Meditation for Kids book. And today's guest on the podcast, Kira Willie, is not only someone that I look up to because she's equally a passionate mindfulness and yoga teacher for kids. I've used so much of her music in my mindfulness classes, as well as her books with my own boys. She shares the same vision of bringing mindfulness to kids through her unique medium of music and movement. So just a little bit about Kira. She is the author of the book, Breathe Like a Bear. So many of you mamas know about that book. It's such a good one. And the Mindfulness Moments for Kids series. She's a children's music artist, kids yoga and mindfulness expert, and creator of Rockin' Yoga School programs. She has released five albums of kids yoga and mindfulness songs. And she also has a TEDx talk called Bite Size Mindfulness that you can check out online. So in this episode, you'll learn why mindfulness, movement, and music are essential for kids. How you don't have to have any special training to infuse this wisdom into your kid's life and really check out this important takeaway that she shares that self-awareness is the key and foundation to self-regulation in kids. But before we dive into this really passionate and riveting conversation, have you ever wondered if you are supporting or scarring your child during stressful parenting moments? Want to find out powerful, life-changing tools that can transform tough parenting moments with your child into a positive and peaceful experience? Well, I want to tell you about my Mindful Kids Masterclass course. This four-week self-study course was created for parents who want to raise emotionally intelligent, resilient, and calm children through those tough parenting moments like meltdowns and tantrums. You're going to learn the mindful solutions to ride through meltdowns, how to infuse mindfulness into your children's daily life, as well as other parenting trips like what to say in the heat of the moment so that you're empathetic, calm, and untriggered. If you want to learn how to be a more mindful parent, this is the course for you. Head over to the show notes for a link, as well as go to thejalvpatel.com, go to courses, you can check out all my courses, but the Mindful Kids Masterclass is the one for you if you want to be a more mindful parent and raise mindful kids too. All right, guys, so now let's get to the podcast episode. Thank you so much, Kira, for being here on the Time and Talks podcast. I'm so excited for our conversation together. Thank you so much for having me. 
So it's always fun for me to connect with other like-minded kids, yoga and mindfulness teachers. So I'm excited to get your story. I always am so inspired by how you got into the work that you did. So I'd love for us to start there. How did you start doing kids yoga and movement and mindfulness? (laughs) I was a kid's music teacher way back when, um, someone else's program who hired me to teach sort of mommy and me music classes. And I love doing it, Um, but I was uh, bound to their curriculum and I kept having all these ideas of things I wanted to do myself. And at the same time, I was discovering uh, my own yoga practice, just beginning to start on, on my yoga journey. And I thought, oh my gosh, wouldn't it be great to bring this to kids? So I found a kid's yoga teacher training. I went and got certified. Um, and when I started teaching yoga to kids as a lifelong musician, I just brought my guitar because it was very comfortable for me. And so I started to sing my instructions and play the little songs during the classes. And I knew from my music teaching days that when you combine music and movement, the kids are incredibly engaged. And so I brought that to bear on my kids' yoga classes. And those little songs that I played became my very first album. You know, they kind of grew and grew and, and took off and worked so well with the kids that I thought, you know, I should put this out into the world. And so that became my first album and, and it kind of grew from there into trainings and school visits and performances and concerts and all kinds of stuff. Oh, that's so exciting. And I will say that your Just Be song is a every night before we go to sleep. That's the song. And I find it so soothing for myself too. And we used to own preschools. We actually just sold them in January, but all the teachers before nap time would play that song because I got everyone hooked on it. And um, that's amazing to hear. It's such a lovely, like it's the perfect song to like wind down. And it's like creates such an, my, both of my boys love it. It's like our intimate moment to like connect with each other and colors is our morning going to school song so we listen to colors and so you're a part of our daily routine and I just wanted to share that so I love your music and um, I actually found you before I feel like when I was searching for mindfulness for kids soundtracks your mindful okay. moment soundtracks is how I found you and that oh. used to do like we do we still do them in the car we'll do them when we want to infuse these little resets so I just love what you do and I used to do them use that in my classrooms as well too so I've uh. heard, I known about you for a long time <laughs> so it's this is like a fangirl moment for me <laughs> That makes me so happy. That's exactly what I want. That's exactly what I want for people to use the songs and the mindful moments just throughout the day with their kids, find some connection. You know, I just, that makes me really happy to hear. Yeah. Cause it's, it's a playful way of introducing it without kids being like, okay, let's sit down and making it so formal, especially with your own kids. I feel like when you have your own kids and you're trying to introduce it, it's so different. Like what you do or what I do going into classrooms. And when you have, you know, different, a big group of kids that are not your own, uh, I think it's a completely different energy, but in right. your, in your curriculum, um, you believe in the three M's, which is music, movement, and mindfulness. And so I would love for for you to go through each one and kind of share why you believe that's an essential skill um, for a child. Sure. Well, I said, as I said, I'm a lifelong musician. I started playing violin when I was five. Mm-hmm. And um, so I've played instruments my entire life. So it's just part of who I am. 
but I believe it ought to be part of every kid's say instruction life, you know, however you want to you frame it growing up because it has so many incredible benefits for children. Music instruction, um, you know, science shows us that it has, it can improve kids spatial reasoning. It can improve their memory. It can improve coordination. It can improve self-esteem. I mean, the list goes on and on and this isn't my opinion. You know, this is evidence-based research. I mean, if you think about it, music exists in every known culture in the world, right? Going back since time immemorial, tribes used to chant. And um, it was really important, actually. It was not just a celebratory activity. It's thought that the tribes that chanted sort of best or most cohesively also had most cohesion in their other activities like hunting and gathering and fighting and that kind of thing. And so chanting became a really important part of society. And it has been for, you know, really thousands of years. And it's sort of in modern day that we've kind of lost that music making as a collective, right? That used to happen in houses of worship or around the fire or whatever it was. Um, Now you don't have that music making experience with a large group unless you're, you know, at a big rock concert, which of course isn't happening right now, unfortunately, right? Right. Um, but I just believe it's it's hardwired into humans to love music and to respond to music. If you you know play a beat, even an infant will start bouncing and wiggling, right? They'll respond, right? So, um, and it just engages children so much, right? When they listen to music, so even if, if children aren't receiving music instruction, if they are exposed to music, if they listen to music, it releases endorphins in their brain. It increases the blood flow to their brain, which helps them learn. Um, it can have a calming effect. It can have an energizing effect, right? Everybody knows mm-hmm. you can put on a certain song and, and, you know, for, and, and it will have a powerful effect on you, mm-hmm. right? A heartbreak song, you know, I mean, I can get teary just listening to right. a heartbreak song that I, that I love. It can help kids process emotions. I mean, the list just goes on and on of benefits. So I strongly believe that as much as music can be incorporated into instruction, into daily life, um, it's just so beneficial for kids. So that's that one. <laughs> yeah, that and that. What and when you were saying like sound vibrations, and we know this when you're talking about chanting or music, it is healing, right? The vibrations heal us. Yes. And so when you're listening to something calming, what it, what's even beneficial is that. Your songs, like I said, from my own personal experience, is that when you're listening it with your to your child, you're also experiencing that. So, so many of us moms are saying that we feel frazzled or we feel like we need a reset too. So this is a beautiful way of creating that connection together. Like when right. we feel like everybody's kind of like off of it, like this is a playful way for not just kids, but also parents to reset through music. That's a great point. And I would also add that any, any of these things that you bring to your child, whether it's the mindful moments or the calming music, or when you're experiencing together, you're both getting the benefits, right? And it's, it's so critical for parents as well as, as well as kids. And I would add one more thing about music that it just occurred to me is that I've, I recently read a study that music has an analgesic effect, which means an actual pain relieving effect. Yeah. which is an in, incredible if you think about it, right? People's perception of their pain actually declines when they're listening to music. So, you know, the benefits just really go on and on. 
I agree. I agree. And, and what a gift, because that's your gift. You said you were playing music for since you were five. So this is like your gift of how you're bringing your unique touch into it. So I love that. Mm. And then, so your second um, M is movement. Tell us a little bit more about that. Movement. The, you know, this country does what's called a national physical fitness report card every couple of years. The last one came out at the end of 2018. And the overall grade for kids in this country, do you want to guess what it, guess what it was? Is it like an ABC type of grade? Yeah. Or, yep. Yep. Um, were we like a C? D. D. Oh, that breaks It's my terrible. Heart. That breaks it's my heart. terrible. I know. It's, you know, and when I, I um, go talk to teachers in elementary schools, I give them all these statistics that kind of blow their minds. And one of them is that 35% of elementary schools don't require a recess. That I've heard before. Yeah. And that that, blows my mind that the like recess and even like phys ed class. Like I know that I read Mm -hmm. somewhere that not all schools do phys ed or I was like, isn't that supposed to be part of the curriculum, but not all schools do it. Not all schools do it. Or if they do it, they maybe do it for one, you know, marking period or something. And then the kids don't get it for the rest of the year. Right. And, and, and here's another mind blowing statistic a survey of principals showed that 100% of them said, um, yes, when the kids go out for recess and they come back, we notice improved behavior and better attention and, um, you know, better academic outcomes. But 80% of that same population of principals said, um, we still take away recess as a punishment. And I just like, honestly, like, (laughs) that's counterintuitive, right? (laughs) Like you're, you're so, I mean, I like smoke coming out of my ears, like what, you know? And, um, anyway, we all know that kids need to move. And unfortunately you can look at the statistics, the amount of movement and outside time that kids get is declining year over year over year. Yes. I mean, and for teachers, just from a practical standpoint, it's also been shown that kids who move more learn better. Mm-hmm. They are better able to pay attention. So I always say music isn't, I mean, sorry, movement is not this extra thing. It's essential for learning. Mm-hmm. Kids need the blood flow to the brain that mu- movement provides in order to be able to focus and learn. Yeah. So preventing that child from going outside and running around who is having a hard time focusing is the worst thing that you can do. You know, mm-hmm. the child who's having a hard time focusing needs to go outside and run around. I mean, it's just, it just seems backwards, unfortunately, in so many public schools in this country, the thinking is still this antiquated um, sort of punitive way of thinking about movement. Mm-hmm. Like, well, once you sit here for five hours and, do your math worksheets, then maybe we'll let you go outside. That's backwards. It's just backwards. Yeah. So I, a lot of what I do is encouraging teachers and families to bring as many movement breaks into what they're doing as possible. And this, this does not mean you need to go run a 5k. This means you stand up from your desk and you jump up and down and you take a few deep breaths and you do a quick balance on one foot exercise. And then you sit back down. Mm-hmm. And that took 60 seconds. Yeah. But it makes a huge difference in your state of mind, in that blood flowing to the brain, in your energy, right? So, and there's so many ideas, and sometimes teachers just need to understand oh, okay, that can be a lot easier than I thought. 
I won't lose control of the class, which is an understandable concern of teachers, right? If I have 30 kids stand up and start jumping up and down, it's going to be chaos in here. Okay, let's figure out something else we can do. So I'm all about these really doable, um, practical movement breaks mm -hmm. that will achieve the benefits while understanding the constraints that families and teachers are working with. And just so your movement breaks is it typically yoga or does it not necessarily have to be a yoga posture doesn't have to be I would say my movement is yoga based mm -hmm. and some of the reasons for that is that yoga can be done anywhere you can do it standing up you can do it sitting down every differently abled body can do yoga um, there's no equipment needed and it's completely non-competitive so those are the reasons that yoga you know uh, traditional yoga postures are the basis for my movement programs and movement breaks but you can also jump up and down i mean you can jump up and down and <laughs> be totally silly and do a freeze dance and yeah. that gets the job done too right yeah, you can shake your hands like a but if you need an energy boost bring your hands yeah. above your head because you're moving energy up and just shake it out i love that and you know what what key point that for parents to take away right now many of our kids are distance learning and so by sh you right. sharing that it's really important for us to be mindful that if you notice that your child is struggling with focus, rather than getting in that stringent, we have to get this done, giving them that space to have the movement. And um, so I think that as parents, we do have, we're in a little bit of a different position that if you are, ch your children are home right now, that you can yeah. incorporate this for them. And would you be able to give like a, um, give us one sample of like a mindful movement that you could do in 60 seconds, for example, that if your child is struggling with focus, that they can do like right at their desk? Absolutely. Yeah. Sit at your desk, reach both arms up to the sky, you know, as high as you can, reach, 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 look up, look up, look up, try to grab a star out of the sky, take a big breath in, let it out, bring your hands all the way down, do that once or twice more if you want, and then give your whole body a wiggle, 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 shake, 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 hold still, breathe in, breathe out, you know, simple. Beautiful, yep. And you can do that sitting down, standing up. Like you can, that's a great, 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 great. Um, and guess what? You can add some music to it. Yeah. And, <laughs> right. And there you go. Now all of a sudden you've had a little seated dance party for 30 seconds or 45 or 60 seconds. Shifts and the then mood. you turn it back up, shifts the mood completely yep. back to the math, you know, yep. and guess what? We'll do this again in 15 minutes. Yes. Yes. I love yep. that. Great, great tools to keep in your back pocket when you're, when we're aware that our children's energy is dwindling, even for ourselves, right? We talk oh, yeah. about mindful resets. Like that is something that is not just for kids. We do that ourselves when we notice that we're seeing that decline in our energy and our focus. Right. Um, and then the last component of the three M's is mindfulness. So um, I'd love for, to hear about that as well. Yes. Mindfulness, again, is something I feel like is essential learning for kids today. Mm -hmm. So children are so much more plugged in at early ages than they ever were before, than we ever were growing up, right? And it's creating this disconnection between them and their bodies. Kids are really, I, I notice, have noticed the past couple of years, and I've heard from teachers and counselors and school administrators, they don't have a lot of self-awareness. Mm -hmm. They are, they are um, just not plugged into how they're feeling and what's happening in their bodies. And as a result, they have a hard time self-regulating, 
right? So if you're not very self-aware and something's kind of building up in you and upsetting you, but you're not really paying attention to it, right? You are, you know, a bomb waiting to explode, right? Mm -hmm. Which happens to so many kids. Teachers are seeing anxious behaviors, disruptive behaviors, very young kids under unbelievable amounts of stress that then come out as, as, as um, disruption or, you know, quote unquote misbehavior. I don't really believe in, in that word, but that's yeah. still used a lot. Right. And, and it's, and it's because the self-awareness piece isn't there. And so the self-regulation piece can't be there. Self-awareness is the basis of self-regulation, right? Mm -hmm. So if we can begin to teach children from a young age to simply pause what they're doing, turn inward, take a few deep breaths and pay attention to what's going on in their bodies and their minds, they are so much better able to make good choices. They are so much better able to recognize what they need and take care of themselves, right? Mm -hmm. From there, the social emotional skills can develop. Once you are self-aware, once you can regulate your own emotions and body and behavior, then you can start to practice the skills that all children need to learn, kindness, compassion, empathy, right? Mm -hmm. Which I think some people don't think are skills that need to be taught, but I really do. I firmly believe these are skills that need to be taught, right? right? And once you have that self-awareness piece and that self-regulation piece, which comes from mindful practices, mm -hmm. then you can begin to teach those critical social emotional skills. And I think it's missing in our, in our public school system by and large. There are many teachers who are doing some of this on their own and doing an incredible job, but by and large, it is a missing component in our public education system. I agree. I agree. And you know, this is, this stood out to me. I remember this as a child and I, as a parent, I'm guilty of this too. And when it comes out of my mouth, I have to stop myself. And we say to our children, like, focus, pay attention, concentrate. Oh, calm down. Right. Like I've been told that as a kid and I remember as a six year, I'm like, I am, I thought I was trying to, I thought I was being focused. And I, sometimes I hear that come out of my mouth. And like when I say to my five-year-old and I'm like, wait, I, I take that back. And it's a recognition of that. Like you said, I don't believe that focus is just a natural innate skill. You have to teach no. focus and paying attention. And that's like lacking in the curriculum of school right. just in general. We're not teaching children. And that's rooted, like you said, it's rooted from mindfulness. It's like that with that practice, you are going to hone that skill of learning to be able to sit for longer, to be able to focus for longer, to be able to think for a longer period of time and just understand what's going on. So I completely am on board yeah. with what you're saying. Yeah. How many teachers say over and over, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention yeah. without giving oh, children the tools or the skills or the know-how to pay attention, right. but the very practice of paying attention to your breath mm -hmm. coming in and out of your body in your mindfulness practice helps you be able to pay attention to anything else you need to pay attention to. So it's, it's really essential learning for children. I agree. And you are the author of different book, different mindfulness books for different ages. So in your opinion, when do you think is a good age to start implementing these mindfulness tools in an age appropriate way? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, you don't call it mindfulness when they're a little teeny tiny, um, but when they are really little, even infants can imitate. Mm -hmm. 
That's the thing is little ones love to imitate you. So if you can start practicing the skill of taking a long breath in and really exaggerating the movements in your body and a long breath out, your infant or toddler will imitate you, Mm -hmm. right? And now you're starting to learn that skill. And if you can do it at a moment when things are crazy or you're frazzled or things are moving a mile a minute, you can pause and take that really exaggerated couple of deep breaths in. Then your child or toddler starts to see that this is something we can sprinkle in throughout the day, right? To keep our cool, right? To keep our cool in the grocery line when it's taking absolutely forever and we're late to the thing, right? Or to keep our cool when, you know, that thing, I don't know, you know, goes wrong or breaks or whatever happens. So it's imitation at first is what it is. But then with my board books, um, which are designed for sort of up to three years old, it very gently through story introduces mindfulness concepts Mm -hmm. like listening really carefully, right? Like just pausing and listening, you know, what can you hear inside? What can you hear outside? What sounds far away? What's down? And, and a bear looking for a cave to cozy, you know, get cozy and hibernate in. And that's just taking long, deep breaths in and out, just like a bear would Mm -hmm. Um, like bunny breaths, you know, bunny is looking for, her carrot, but she's all sleepy and doesn't have any energy. And so she takes little, you know, and that's an example of using breath work to generate some fire, some energy. So it just uses gentle stories. It doesn't say to the kids, hey, listen, if you take five deep breaths in and out, your parasympathetic nervous system is really going to cut, right? I mean, because yeah. what three-year-old cares or understands that? But it's using, it's using story and relatable um, animal sweet characters to begin to introduce those concepts. So um, I believe really no age is too young to start by imitation and then through story. And then eventually as they get a little bit older, you can start explaining what's going on in their brain, Mm -hmm. right? When you get really mad, listen, this part of your brain takes over and all this part of your brain knows how to do is fight or, you know, run away. And you can explain that to a lower elementary school child, a kindergarten child. And you can say, taking these deep breaths, will really help that part of your brain chill out, you know, you can, but up until then it's really imitation, it's story, it's kid friendly techniques and tools. So I, I wish, so your board books, they weren't available when my older son was younger, but we have been using them consistently with my younger son, Rehan. So I, again, can attest to the fact exactly what you're oh, saying. Good. His favorite is bunny breath and he's been doing that since he's been a year and a half. And he like, you know, when he's like, does the bunny like, you know, sniffing through the nose and same thing. Like when you say, take a deep breath, they'll like, you know, take a deep breath in and out. And my older son is five. So we do our yoga and a little meditation in the morning. So he will sit in the room and he'll like imitate like the breath and chant, like chant ohms a few times. So I truly believe, yes, it's imitation, but from the age, like we know science says zero through eight, everything is getting planted in their subconscious. So I like to think that, you know, as they are learning at a younger age, it is like these little seeds are just really being planted in their mind. um, And we're giving them a head start. And I love your books. They're again, they're part of our evening routine for my little one and you're breathe like a bear. They're those exercises are part of your auditory, like the albums as well. So you can listen mm-hmm. to it 
album or you can do it to have the book and actually read the exercise, which is great because every child learns and experiences it a little bit different. And we have both. So on a given day, we'll turn to something different. So it's great. Yeah. Different avenues of introducing. I think that really helps too. Like, you know, not doing the same thing, like one day, like doing music or one day doing the the book or one day just doing it kind of free. Like yeah. we're just yeah. going to get some ohms today. I think that really helps. Yeah. Too as they get a little bit older I also the board books are also I just did the audiobook recording and I read oh, them that's yeah great. so that's yeah. another thing too because some children really love to just listen to something you know they're auditory learners yes so yeah like you said different methods of of delivery different mediums is great for for different kids or just to mix it up yeah absolutely and so um in your experience of teaching children do you have and i know i'm going to really put you on the spot for this because it's hard to tell <laughs> is, there any, is there any experience of you seeing a shift in a child with either the movement or the mindfulness that you that stands out to you well i can use my own children is that allowed yes, my le is that legal <laughs> yes that is of course i use my own children <laughs> I mean, I, I've had lots of experiences in, in, in classrooms, but I'm not a classroom teacher. You know, I'm generally a visiting guest. I've had a lot of um, teachers tell me that over time that, that mindfulness practices have really helped their classes calm down and focus. Um, and I, and I want to stress that it's over time. It's not going to be like, you know, some teachers think, you know, the first day I try mindfulness with my classroom, everything's going to, you know, be amazing. It's a consistent practice. And the more that you practice, the more benefits that you'll have. So that's something to, to realize as well. But with my youngest, um, we used to do bear breath every night at bedtime. And he was a fidgety, you know, uh, ants in his pants, couldn't go to sleep guy. And we just made the bed like a bear cave. We used to breathe like a bear, the board book, and that that mindfulness exercise and pretended he was hibernating for the winter. And we did these long, slow, deep breaths. And I'm telling you, after about a minute, all of a sudden his his demeanor would completely change. His body would relax, you know, and he his, the fidgets would slow down and slow down and then they would stop and the eyelids would get heavy. I mean, it's like magic. Mm -hmm. So that one you know, and again, all kids are different, but that one worked magically for my youngest for a long time. Um, we did that. Yeah. And I, I love the aspect. And I think this is important to note is that many times parents, when they think mindfulness or meditation, because we are taught like the grown up way, children learn, like we were talking about through play, through stories, through music. So making it as playful as possible, that has been the key of like, when you tap into your inner child, when you're introducing it. So for any parent who's like nervous, like, how do I introduce this? Like, these are all amazing resources. Like what you have are great, but just tap into your inner child and your playfulness because the more mm -hmm. playful that you are, the more receptive they are. And I feel like the more it works, it's like magical. Like then they don't, yeah. there's no resistance. It's like, okay, let's do this and let's breathe. And you, yeah. And you also know what your child responds to, to as yes. well. And I've done this with teachers when we do workshops or trainings, I'll challenge them to come up with a mindful moment on their own. And some of the things these teachers come up with are amazing that I wouldn't have thought of in a million years. But they know, you know, these two boys who in their class who aren't going to want to sit and pretend they're, you know, sniffing flowers, they came up with this basketball mindful moment that was, you know, it was great. It was had some more movement involved. 
but it still had some deep breathing and focus and imagining the swish of the ball. I mean, it was just, it was great. But the point being that they, once they got the basics of, of um, the principle down of what they're trying to do, they came up with a concept that was relatable for their students, for their kids. Right. And, and knowing that that would be then, you know, a home run just to mix my athletic puns completely um, for their kids. Right. And, and, (laughs) and so, yeah, you know, you don't need any, I mean, it's love you to buy my books, but there are many, many mindfulness resources out there, but you don't even need any, you know, a book to get started with your own child. And this is what my Ted talk is all about. You can start today, just coming up with concepts that you know, your child will relate to. Yeah, that that's what that's another point that I wanted to share that you have done a TEDx talk and it was mm-hmm. on bite-sized mindfulness. Uh, what an amazing experience. When did you do that? If you don't mind me asking, like how many yeah, years? Yeah, two years ago. It was two, two years, years ago. ago. It was a great experience um, because it really you have I think 15 or 18 minutes is the limit. I think mine was about 13, but you only have that amount of time. And I, you know, I could talk for days about this stuff. Yeah. So you really have to hone your message and you, and they want you to really be very focused and specific. So it just makes you get so clear on what you want to say. Yes. I mean, I rewrote that talk, you know, so many times before delivering it. Um, but it was a really great exercise and then really sort of understanding your why, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And what you want to say to people. So, and it, as a performance, it was a, it was very interesting because I'm a musician and I'm used to having a band and a drummer and a guitar. So and you walk out onto a stage onto a red circle and there's nothing. There's no music. There's no, <laughs> there's no. the opposite from what did you use there's nothing. A, did you use a I actually actually have to listen to your talk, but did you use a PowerPoint or anything or were you just no. talking? Nothing. nothing. I just talked and there are no notes and there's no prompter and there's nothing. So you have to have it completely memorized and, you know, there are 500 people in front of you, but there's also the knowledge that it's going to live online till the end of time, right? Yes. Yeah. So it was a great experience. But um, in that talk, the message that I wanted to get across to teachers and parents everywhere is what, building on what I was just saying, which is that you don't need any special training. Mm. You don't need to, to go to a mindfulness retreat in a, in the mountains with a, you know, a guru or anything. You don't need to buy a whole bunch of books. You can, but there are resources for free available online or your local library, or just start breathing, pausing and breathing with your child. Keep it short, keep it kid friendly and practice it consistently. Those are the three elements. Keep it short, keep it kid friendly, practice it consistently. And off you go. You can start right this minute. You know, that was the message I really tried to get across with examples and some case studies and that kind of thing. And, you know, I hope it was heard. <laughs> I think so. Right. That yeah. Sense. Yeah. Absolutely. So with the t- changing of our times right now with COVID and schools looking different, I know that a big part of what you did was assemblies and live, uh, you know, being with children and being live with them. So how has it been for you with this pivot? Oh my gosh, I miss going into schools so much. I just love going in, getting all the high fives, getting hugs from some kids. Um, and my assembly performances are incredibly interactive. They re- we do, you know, call and response games and rhythm games, and we I teach them parts of songs and they sing it back to me. And so 
it's something that unfortunately we just can't do right now at all. However, we are pivoting to some virtual assemblies, mm-hmm. um, which we've we've done and we're going to actually film, kind of make a short film of an assembly and be able to have that available to schools. Um, and I've done some virtual performances and that'll that'll keep up as well. So like everyone else, we've had to pivot to do virtual offerings. I'm also writing a new album now, which will be out at the beginning of next year. I have a new book that'll be out at the end of this year. So those have required a lot of time and attention. Um, And taking some of my trainings online, I do a lot of teacher trainings and I'm currently creating a course that will be available virtually as well for that. So you know, plenty to keep me busy. That's for yes, sure. <laughs> great events, right. Everything is going online, but that yeah. know, books and like you said, your album, is it another mindfulness for kids? Is it like the same type of like mindfulness for kids or is it different? Actually, this one will complement the new book. Oh, so it's a companion piece to the new book. Exciting. Yeah. I can't mm-hmm. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I can't I'm wait. excited. I haven't put out new songs in a while and it's been really fun to be writing again and thinking, you know, of how children and families and teachers can use these songs for movement or for rest time or for, you know, breathing. And it's been great. I can't wait to get it out into the world. Oh, I'm so excited for you. Great things that are being birthed. And you are so gracious for our Time and Talk listeners to create um, a download page. Would you mind sharing what your gift for them is? Yes, it's the entire Mindful Moments for Kids album, which is 30 uh, one minute kid friendly audio exercises, and it was the basis of the book Breathe Like a Bear. So it, most of them are similar. You can find the written version in Breathe Like a Bear and the audio version in this Mindful Moments for Kids. So they're different um, mindful moments for calm, some are for focus, some are really for relaxation, but there are 30 of them. So you can download them to your phone, have them at the ready, and just press play when you just need a quick mindfulness reset. And I'm sure, you know, parents can find their favorites that work for their kids and do them, you know, a couple times a day or at bedtime or on your way to school or whatever works for you. Because that consistency piece is just all about attaching it to something in your regular routine so that it happens on a regular basis. And, and hopefully these will be able to help. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to share these. Thank you so much. And this is the soundtrack that what I was referring to earlier for all the listeners, what we listen to, um, the mindful moment, that's what we listen to. So thank you so much. That's so gracious of you. I'm so My pleasure. That. And um, where can everyone find you, Kira? Yeah, easy. KiraWilly.com. K-I-R-A-W-I-L-L-E-Y. Yep. And uh, you can, you know, read all about it there. Lots of links. I have a presence on YouTube as well. I'm also a channel owner on an educational app called Zigazoo, which I encourage parents of young children to, to have a look at. Um, Yeah, it's a really neat app with, um, it's, I think a review called it TikTok for kids, but it's, it's educational, um, video sharing. And there are all these wonderful channel owners like the Philadelphia Zoo and, uh, children's museums and the tech interactive and me providing prompts, project prompts for kids that are educational and have movement and science and all kinds of wonderful things. Um, and it's all free and it's a great thing to complement some, you know, remote learning for parents who are looking for educational activities for kids. So that's a new thing that I'm, I have a presence on. So three times a week I do mindfulness or, um, yoga or music, 
projects and prompts mm. for kids. And so spell yeah. that because you said Zigazoo, right? Yeah. Zigazoo, yeah, Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Mm -hmm. All right. I'll put yeah. that in the show notes too for everybody because I'm yeah. that out. I have not heard of that, but that sounds really amazing. Yeah. Thank you so mm -hmm. much, Kira. This was such a soulful conversation. I loved hearing your story and all your wisdom. You know, I was like mentally like, yeah, right on, girl. That's exactly yes. what I believe in. So thank you so much. And um, I'm so happy that you are here. Thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. My pleasure. I'll talk to you soon. All right, everyone, have a great one. If you've been loving the Time and Talks podcast and you find value from it, I would be so eternally grateful if you take a moment of your time to leave a rating and review over at Apple Podcasts. And when you do, I love to gift you my seven day stress detox course. All you gotta do is screenshot your review before you submit it, email it to me at thejal at thejalvpatel.com. And when you do, I'll inbox you the details of the course. This course has my go-to tools anytime I feel impatient, angry, frustrated, and I come to them almost every single day. And I promise these are the tools that you're going to want to have in your back pocket too. And if you haven't purchased the Meditation for Kids book, definitely do so now. You can purchase it anywhere you buy books, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, Target, IndieBound, BAM, and you can go to meditationforkidsbook.com to get more information on the Meditation for Kids Masterclass course. If you're a complete beginner and learning how to teach meditation to your kids, this is the step-by-step -step roadmap that's going to teach you how to teach your kids meditation without having to become a certified meditation expert. Thank you so much, guys. Bye.